Welcome to the latest episode of Pinnacles NFL Insights. I'm your host, Eric Eager from Sumer Sports, sumersports.com. Um, and I'm here alongside PFF data scientist Ben Brown to help guide you through the world of the NFL with week-to-week reflections and projections. Ben, week 13 NFL, kind of a little bit break-even on my opinions. Uh, you know, it's much better. I had a lot of fun in college, especially FCS, as you know. Um, NFL, you know, Chiefs didn't come through, uh, and the Bears didn't come through late. That was one that I think, you know, I folks probably wanted to have back, but there were some good ones with obviously Detroit, um, and, and uh, Minnesota, uh, which I know we had Minnesota and Detroit in the, uh, in the, uh, seat, uh in the, uh, circa, circa millions contest. So, uh, Ben, how was your betting week? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of hit it for me with the, the commanders. I think covering would have been a nice spot. They didn't end up getting there. Uh, kind of were up early, right? 10 0. Uh, it seemed like in some ways they were going to run away from the Giants in that week 13 game. Now those teams, uh, you know, Washington specifically gets a break. The Giants have to face up against Philadelphia and then they go back. And that it's very much going to determine, I would say, you know, who kind of is in that, you know, seventh seed, sixth seed, uh, and which one of those teams I would say probably gets into the playoffs. So that would have been a nice one to have. Uh, kind of like you said, I think the Vikings were my biggest spot. Very much, uh, you, you know, uh, an interesting match between, you know, the restore the roar Lions here in week 14 and the Minnesota Vikings. I think, you know, we, we might be on opposite sides of that one, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, the, the, that one was nice. But yeah, the Dolphins, um, I, I think I kind of have been fading the, the 49ers a little bit too much. It seemed like the Dolphins, especially with the early play to Trent Sherfield, Maybe should have gotten there, especially with the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, but, uh, the 49ers are just a house, right? I, I'm not quite sure, you know, what I'm going to need to do to get on their side of things, but I have not, I would say, uh, labeled that team correctly so far here in 2022. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but, uh, I, I think they maybe have enough to still get through or close to get through the NFC. Uh, given the quarterback situation, but, uh, we'll have to take a look at the pinnacle, you know, updated futures numbers to really get an accurate handle on if there's any value, uh, you know, in the NFC or AFC, uh, conference race, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we had over in that game, which was good. Uh, that, that one was, you know, got there, uh, fairly strongly. But when, when you look at, yeah, as you said, for, uh, you know, NFC champion right now, Philadelphia, uh, at plus 175, the Dallas Cowboys at three to one. Nine, they're sitting there at four to one. Um, which I think makes sense, right? Brock Purdy, uh, by the way, a little bit of inside information. His, uh, quarterback consultant is my friend, your friend, somebody you had dinner with, uh, when we were in Nebraska a couple months ago, Sage Rosenfels. What a guy. Uh, and, and he said, you know, um, a lot of the stuff at Iowa State was just bad coaching. Uh, Sage would always an Iowa State alum. Um, so that he's bullish on Brock Purdy. I, I'm a little bit, uh, not as much, but, um, it, it helped, you know, obviously they put up 33 in that game, which, which is a really, you know, solid mark for them in, in covering, uh, that number. Um, what I want to focus on though is the AFC championship, right? So going into week 12, the last time you and I talked, the Bills were four to one. Chiefs were a little bit more than four to one at plus 415. The Ravens were plus 580 and the Dolphins were eight to one. We've seen a lot happen in the AFC since then, right? The Bills. Right. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the Bills, the Lions gave them a game on Thanksgiving. Um, I think showed some flaws in that team. Uh, they, they go out and then spank New England on Thursday night. Um, they're now the favorites at plus 175. 
the Chiefs, um, you know, they go out and they they beat the Rams. They cover the opening number. They don't cover sixteen and a half, the closing number. And then and then last week they go to Cincinnati, a game that I went to. Um, and you know they out, they were outplayed by the Bengals. Um, right. and, and the Bengals now, you know, after not being one of these favorite teams, are now six to one to win the AFC. I, I think I came away from that game at Paycor Stadium, Ben, extremely impressed with the Bengals, just both offensively and defensively, the way, the way defensively that they make you earn every single possession. Uh, a really good run for them. The Ravens go and lose in Jacksonville at the end, then win against Denver, terrible Denver team. They lose Lamar Jackson for a few weeks in the process. So that drops them to plus 950. And then the Dolphins, as you said, um, you have a bye and then go on – or no, sorry, they have Houston, might as well be right. a bye – and then go on the road and lose to San Francisco, a team playing their backup quarterback for the most of the day. So they are plus 975, Ben. Do you think – this does feel right, right? The Bills, Chiefs, right. and Bengals are the three teams in the AFC that you really have to worry about. Everybody else it, it is fairly, uh, you know, uh, a long shot. Yeah, and I agree with it. I do think that in some ways the ordering still feels a little bit off. I'm not quite sure, you know, when the Bills are going to have their full complement of defense players kind of back from injury. I still think, you know, the expectation is all those guys are going to be back. And and that's kind of reflected in this plus 175 price. But I still think, you know, even after last week's loss to the Bengals, I do still think the Chiefs are kind of the class of the AFC. So them not being favorites, you know, it is maybe a spot that you could look to a little bit, but outside of that, you know, you're kind of maybe buying into a team like Miami being able to put it all together in the playoffs and have a number of games where Tua throws for 350 plus yards and doesn't have, you know, you know, some of the turnover situations that played them against the San Francisco 49ers. But uh, I think from that perspective, like maybe, you know, the, the edge and pressure situation that they'll be experiencing in the playoffs won't be as bad as that 49ers game. And and that might be, you know, part of the reason why, but uh, you know, their offensive line is still really banged up. Did sign Eric, you know, Fisher to kind of at least, provide some depth at the at the tackle position but I'm not sure how big of an impact he's going to have so outside of maybe playing the Chiefs or maybe the Dolphins like I think uh there's just not much to like from my perspective what what, what if you had to play one what would you be on I guess is the question you know a couple of weeks ago I was at Buffalo um I was on a podcast last week I think it was um I was Drew Dinsick it was that NBC sports show on Friday right. and and um, you know, they said that, or no, it was Gil Alexander. And he said, what was, what's the team that's overrated? What's the team that's underrated? And I said, the overrated team is the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, when they had played mediocre defenses, they had slayed them. When they didn't, uh, they had been, you know, had been rough. That, that played out to fruition. Um, and then I said, you know, um, you know, they were like, you know, what, what's a team that's underrated? I think Buffalo. And I, and, and I, so those mark, those moving in that direction as a Chiefs fan, it obviously hurts. Um, there's a little bit of a part of me that thinks that they get in the playoffs again. The Chiefs will, you know, have the Chiefs kind of have mind control over the Bills in the playoffs, right. the same way that the Bengals have mind control right. uh, over the Chiefs. By the way, Ben, did you know the last time the Chiefs won in Cincinnati was in 1984? That was before you or I were even <laughs> born. So uh, a little bit of a bugaboo for them to get over here. Let's move into this week of NFL games. Um, I think. This is, you know, not as good as last week in terms of games, but I do think that there's going to be some games that are compelling. And I want to go right to the one that you talked about. This is the Minnesota Vikings at 10 and two, uh, you know, basically a hop, skip and a jump away from winning that division. They go to the Motor City to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions, uh, are actually favored in this game. Minus one on pinnacle, but it's minus 123 to lay that, uh, minus 129 for the full game, you know, for the money line. 53 is the total. 
I get all of this, right? Because the, the Vikings are 31st in the league in yards per play a lot. I believe the, the Lions are 32nd, but the Lions are getting better every single week. Um, the, the Vikings, you know, are, you know, Kirk Cousins is like fundamentally having his worst season as a pro. Right. Uh, the defense is, as I just said, EPA per play is a little bit better, Ben, but that's because they're forcing turnovers, right? And turnovers can flip EPA so well. Um, the Lions, uh, are just trending in the right direction, right? Start one and six. They've won four of the last five. Um, they really need to win four out of the next five to, to make the playoffs uh, in the NFC. And even then the, the tie between Washington and New York really hurt them. Ben, what do you think about this game? Yeah. And, and we talked about this kind of last time as well, but like the Vikings defense, like you said, very big play dependent, haven't necessarily gotten critical stops on teams in crucial situations without extending that out to fourth downing and, and having some luck kind of break in their direction in order to do that. Right. So. I still think this is a spot where I would, it, and part of it is like playing the betting market too, right? And the fact that like everyone's kind of out in front of this expectation that the Vikings are going to regress in some of these one score games and, and the betting market's getting out in front of the fact that, you know, they're not as good as their win loss record and they are, and they are dogs to, you know, a, a Lions team that very much kind of isn't in the same class from a wins-loss perspective as they've been. So uh, I'm more inclined to probably fade the 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 Lions a little bit here. I do you don't think have to be Vikings, bashful around me. I, man. I, I, I know. I think I honestly think, you know, and like we take into think all these accounts and we look at yards for playing, we look at EPA for playing, we look at the fact that, you know, the Vikings have been really unstable in crucial situations and have gotten a ton of breaks, but it's like, Actually quantifying that and peeling that back and assign, and assign, assigning all those things to, you know, the specific luck bucket and kind of removing it completely, I think is kind of overstated from the betting market perspective right now. And I think that it's maybe in some ways underweighting a Vikings team that has gotten there at certain points this year. And whether you expect that to regress on a week to week basis or maybe it's not coming until next season, I don't know, but I think, you know, even two years ago, three years ago, the Vikings would have been two and a half point favorites in this game. I, I'm kind of convinced of that. And the fact that we've moved four points in the other direction, I think speaks to in some ways a sharper betting community, you know, and, and maybe bookmakers as well. But uh, I think in some ways that's almost overcorrected in certain situations. So I think the Vikings are still the better team. I think it's going to be wild. It might come down to the final play. Uh, but I, I, I still think like given the, given where I have these teams power ranked and, and my bias towards the Vikings, I'm taking the plus two and a half points here. Yeah. I'll probably have to cross with you because I like the Lions, but I will say your, your point is, is really well taken. Last year, Detroit, I believe was seven, seven and a half point dogs at home. They were right. winless at the time. They beat the Vikings on a last second play from Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, the, the Vikings under Zimmer did a great job of covering the number early in Zimmer's tenure. And then down the stretch, they were, I think the last seven games of 2020, they didn't cover. Uh, and then the, the pre- last season, they were right around 500. This year, though, this, the market has faded the Vikings considerably. Right. Um, and, and, but at this, and like to a point where when the Vikings are winning these one score games nominally, they're covering the number. The Vikings, when they beat the Dolphins 24-16, they covered the number in that game. When they beat the Cardinals 34-26, they covered the number in that game. When they beat the Commanders 20-17, to it depended upon where you got the number, where you got it, but it was right on the number. When they beat the Bills outright, they were underdogs in that game, so they covered the number. Dallas, they get killed. Against the Patriots, that number was two and a half. They covered the number. Last week against the Jets, the number was two and a half. They covered the number. So I think that the markets are – 
Like, I think this idea that you have to fade the markets because the Vikings are somehow overrated is wrong. The, the right, markets are right. rating the Vikings. And right. so when they win, um, they cover because the, the markets don't expect them to win. So exactly. I, I think that that, you know, a, a long gone, I, I think that you're right though. I think, um, there probably is value on the Viking side if you're just betting numbers here. Uh, that's probably because the Vikings open favorites and now all the sharps bet the, the Lions. Now a move from one and a half to one and a half is not terribly big. Um, but it, it is something to, to sort of consider. Um, okay. Let's move on to another game. I like this one. Cleveland at Cincinnati, Cincinnati laying six. I live in Cincinnati. I went to the game last week. You couldn't find me dead at this game, Ben. Um, what do you think about, you know, this number total on the game 47 and a half? Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I hate this game because it basically comes down to like how you handicap Deshaun Watson or something, right? And how you like weight like last week's performance with what he had to, to, to what, what the Browns are actually capable of with him at quarterback. And, and I, and I still kind of hate doing that and it is squirmish or whatever, but I think for the most part, he looked pretty bad last Sunday, right? And I think the expectation that he was going to come in and kind of save this franchise and, and get them on back and, and maybe get them into the playoffs or something like that is severely overstated. And we've kind of seen that correction. I think this was at minus three and a half on the look headline, now all the way up to six. And I, and I don't think that was completely because the Bengals had such a dominant performance. I think part of it is the fact that people are starting to realize like this is probably not a playoff team from the Cleveland Browns perspective. And they did get pretty good quarterback play from Jacoby Brissett throughout the entire season when he was kind of filling in and they just maybe don't have the pieces in place, especially defensively this year to be legitimate contenders in the AFC. So I, I don't think Watson's going to come in and, and change things really. So I think if you're playing a side, uh, you know, maybe it's the Cincinnati Bengals, but, uh, I, I lean more so on some, on maybe this game going over because I, I still don't know if I fully believe in, in the Bengals, even though, uh, I probably should after their prior two weeks performances. Yeah. The Bengals, I think are a team that the Browns can match up well with, with the run game and stuff. Sure. But on the other end, they're so bad stopping the run too that I worry about a total just because this team could be a running fest. Deshaun Watson is just not well suited for the Browns offense right now. He's not a play action quarterback. He's not an under center quarterback. Um, and you saw that on Sunday, even in a win against Houston and a cover, it just wasn't particularly pretty. Um, okay. Let's look at another game that's not particularly pretty, but I do want to discuss this one because I do think Ben, there's a path here. And this is where I want to give out a little bit of a bet. The Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a half go to Tennessee total on the game 42. And a lot and, and under basically being the play here, uh, for, you know, the juice. When I look at this AFC South, okay, worst, worst division in football. I want to find a market for it. I, I, I'm seeing it right now. Um, and actually on pinnacle, the AFC South is, is Tennessee minus 1400. The field is 17 to two. I kind of like the field and here's why. I, the Titans are, are kind of a fraud and they have been for a while. They just fired John Robinson. I don't know what that means for them, but you look at specifically the Jaguars. Um, you look at the Jaguars schedule and they go to Tennessee. They have the Cowboys at home. They go to the Jets. They go to Texans and then they get the Jaguars at home. So there's three games back with five, with six to play. Sorry, five to play and two games against the Titans. I think that there's a very outside chance this team who has the best point differential in this entire division could go come back and, and, and beat the Titans. And I think 
you know, it starts with covering three and a half here in Nashville. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a good buy low spot. Obviously, we very much understand that it is a week to week league. Uh, you know, and, and one week after the Jaguars did, for all intents and purposes, get completely blown out of the water by, you know, your Detroit Lions. Like, I, I, I think the market is in some ways maybe undervaluing them a little bit. And I also think, you know, the Ryan Tannehill injury situation, ankle, everything else, Malik Willis at quarterback makes them very much. You know, a one-dimensional offense with him kind of needing to shoulder some of the load from a running perspective, but having no real downfield threat. And in some ways, they don't really have a downfield threat either with, you know, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. So the the Titans are very limited. They're going to have to win ugly football games. And when you consistently play ugly football games week in and week out, like weird stuff happens at the end, right? And it goes back to the variance aspect and it goes back to the luck aspect and and the one possession game sorts of things. But those are the ones that the Titans are going to be in in for the rest of the season, given their overall structure and what they have or what they lack at the wide receiver position and in some ways at the quarterback position now. So uh, I think outside of, you know, a, a few really high chunk plays from, you know, Derrick Henry, and or Malik Willis on the ground game. Like, I think that, uh, you know, the Jaguars are going to cover this number, and I think they're very much alive, uh, I would say, as well to win outright. So I like it. I like the bet on the division maybe a little bit more. You might make more money, you know, rolling over money line parlays or money lines basically for the Jaguars for the rest of the season. But uh, I, I think either one is probably a viable approach here. And like you said, it starts here in week 14. Whatever whatever we restored with the roar right before uh, Thanksgiving, I think, is now coming up for our Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, not to quote, you know, Dave Sofaro is one of the great inspirations for Restore the Roar um, with the Lions. I, I might next year be starting the propaganda for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I might call them the Jacksonville Wagwars, as I think they're going to be a wagon next year. Uh, in how year three how popular seven. do you think? How popular do you think that narrative is going to be? I feel like that's like already being built from. Yeah, like, that's true. Like, be... What we like about Detroit is that Jared Goff is not a popular quarterback among the blue checks. Who think they right. know football. Um, but, but he's certainly good enough to run that offense effectively. Speaking of ineffective offense, Tampa Bay getting three and a half, an expensive three and a half at minus 111. They go to San Francisco, total on the game 37. Um, this is a mid afternoon game. This one, man, I, I gotta think this is, this goes one of two ways, right? It goes under 37 and it's a slug fest. It's Tampa Bay doing kind of what they had to do last night against New Orleans and just gutting it out, or it really doesn't matter. And and I remember, you know, you and I were on the other side of this, so it stings a little harder. But 2018, Oakland goes to San Francisco on a Thursday night. Nick Mullins is starting for C.J. Beathard. Ugh. And Nick Mullins tears the thing apart, and all of our Oakland plus one and a half that closed at minus two and a half bets all die. Oh, shit. That's the other one, right? The Niners just blow the, ni- the Bucks out of the water because the rest of their roster is so much better than Tampa's is. And I can see either way here, Ben. Where do you see it going? I, I mean, I do. I mean, I've been on Tampa Bay way too much this year, and it has not been a comfortable feeling. Three and eight, three, eight and one against the spread for the Buccaneers. But I, you know, and maybe it's part of the narrative coming out of Monday Night Football and everything else, but I still think at some point they are going to have some say in how this thing finishes out. So whether they're a tough out in the playoffs or something else entirely, I, I think they're live and I think they're live here in this game. And I think this might be a little bit of you know, the initial framework for that. So I'm always opposite San Francisco. I'm always on Tampa for whatever my priors are baked into. Uh, and, and this is kind of a clear matchup. So it's definitely like a model based bet for me. Uh, but one that I'm definitely going to be taking a part of. Yeah. 
Um, okay, last Sunday night. This got flexed into it. Love this matchup. The the Dolphins minus three. It's trending three and a half at minus one fifteen. Total on the game fifty two and a half. They go to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. Uh, I saw the stat the other day. Only Matt Ryan has lost more games as a starter since two thousand and twenty than Justin Herbert, who. Uh, if you look at the Ringers quarterback rankings, Herbert's anywhere from like two to three. Um, you know, it seems to, it, it seems like the, the Justin Herbert saga, and I know he's good. He's a very good quarterback, but I feel like to th- this idea that he's like a top five guy is sort of this, like I, I go into an art museum and a pretentious douchebag in a, in a cardigan telling me I don't understand the painting on the wall. Like I, I think that it, it's so, um, <laughs> I, I, I just don't get, like, there are quarterbacks who are really good, like Joe Burrow, who had no offensive line last year. Uh, right. Obviously, Mahomes is working with two terrible tackles and someone called Marquez Valdez-Scantling at wide receiver. Um, all these other elite quarterbacks can seemingly overcome circumstances, except for Justin Herbert, this, like, this, this broken fawn that we have to sort of uh, make excuses for. I love the Dolphins in this spot. For that very reason, I think that they out scheme the Chargers. I think that they, 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 they just have better players, especially offensively versus the Chargers defense. And I think that there's, you know, if the Chargers somehow manage to get a lead in this game, Herbert's going to curl up in the fetal position and allow the team to come back like they've done numerous times against him. So that, that's my take on, on it, Ben. What do you think? There's so much I want to respond to that last rant, basically. I, I think I have to start first off with Marcus Valdez-Scantling. You can't admit that he's not your boy, though, right? I mean, like, He is my boy. He is, but but he he's a journey, right? Like, Marcus Valdez-Scantling was one of the men uh, to replace Tyreek Hill, and I think he's done an okay job this year. But Mahomes is leading the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns with Orlando Brown's, you know, pardon my French, but Orlando Brown at left tackle and Andrew Wiley at right tackle and, you know, no superstar wideout. And right. Justin Herbert, you know, when Keenan Allen gets hurt, we're supposed to talk about, um, uh, why does he replay a battery then, right? Or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think, I think it's just, I, I think Herbert's a step below all the really elite guys. And, and I feel like everybody talks about him as though he's like this, this master craftsman out there who whose work is just not appreciated by the masses. Well, and the problem is, is like a lot of his big plays are set up because like he missed like an easy throw on like first or second down. I'm not saying that's like every single time or whatever, but like the, the brilliance on third and fourth down is very much a byproduct of maybe not being all that great on first and second down. And part of that's obviously like the play calling and everything else. But part of it is very much the fact that, you know, he he's not pushing the easy buttons in situations that he needs to either. So we'll see. I think, you know, very much this is like probably one of the bigger coaching mismatches we have as well coming into the league with Brandon Staley just being like a complete and utter fraud uh, <laughs> and Mike McDaniel being like, you know, everybody's homeboy at this point in time. So uh, I think from that perspective and everything else, uh good buy low spot for Miami. Like I said earlier, you know, kind of when we were talking about the futures, like the Dolphins, I think, are one of the few teams that 
passes the football really good every single play, right? And maybe we didn't see that against what is widely considered the best defense in football last week. But uh I don't think the Chargers are anywhere close to the 49ers. And I very much think that the Dolphins can eat up defensively, uh eat up teams defensively uh that 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 are kind of weak, especially on the back end. And I think we're gonna see that play out. So some big chunk plays in the passing game. Dolphins probably easy to cover this one. I'm with you on that. I, I might not hate I might not be on the you know, the, the Justin Herbert fade train as much as you are, but, uh, I think the thesis <laughs> is correct. And I think, you know, even with where you were at in the offseason, right? I mean, you were, we were shopping around for some, uh, chargers alt unders basically. And like the best we could find was like seven and a half, but there was a, you know, a, a case to be made for them, you know, not even, not even living up to that expectation. Right. So. For sure. Okay. Speaking of not le- leading up to expectations, we'll talk about the, the college football playoff in a sec, but we do have one game. I'm going to be there is going to be in Philadelphia. Army go, well, Army doesn't go to Navy. Navy doesn't go to Army. It's a neutral site game. It's being played at the Lincoln Financial Field. I've never been there before. I'm super excited. Um, this game opened Army minus seven in the offseason, uh, reopened at Army minus two and a half, trending three. It is now Navy minus two, Ben. Total. Open at 34, 33 and a half, now down to 32 and a half, minus 111 to the under. This game has gone under for like a, a decade and a half straight. Oh, it's right? like, it's like year, two decades, right? Or yeah. Something. And last year I was at the game in East Rutherford and I had, I had dinner for, I had dinner for the fellas on under 34 and a half. It got to 17 at halftime and it ended at 31. Um, so we all cashed. It was great. Um, this game, Ben. I don't think you can do anything but bet under until it gets, I think, 31 and a half. But what do you think about the, you know, what do you think about this game? I mean, yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a live opportunity to hit this game at like a 24 or something like that. And maybe that's a spot where you could bet the over, but I'm not touching anything pregame. And I do think we're going to see, you know, a number of early drives that just eat up clock and end in like, you know, other side of the other side of the field type punt situation. So I don't have a strong play kind of on the spread. Like you said, it has moved, you know, a great deal from where it opened in the off season. I think like around like September, October, November, it kind of dropped from that seven and a half points down to like four and a half, three and a half, uh, and, and continues to kind of trickle out Navy's direction. I, I don't have a strong preference on it. I think from PFS perspective, we have Army as maybe like a little bit of a better team, but this is one where, you, you know, none of those things actually matter. And I do think it probably comes down to one big play. So not loving anything on the spread, but uh, I, I'm probably going to hit an in-game over at some point in time when that when, when it drops low enough to where uh, we're, we're kind of sitting right below a key number, I would say. Yeah, PFS model at least like has, I mean, I guess if you look at point spread, maybe a little bit better on a neutral, but you know, there's a reason that came open. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see on how that ends up working. Obviously when you grade out other things like, you know, the ensemble might have army in a, in good at other stuff. So a very interesting game. Um, let's hit lastly the college football, uh, playoff. Uh, you know, basically the futures here, right? This is all we have left. Um, and, and what I love about the, the sharp books like Pinnacle, they basically have a yes, no price on each team, right? So mm-hmm. Georgia right now at minus 130 to win it all, plus 112 to not win it all. Uh, so basically you can take the field against Georgia at plus money, Michigan plus 280, Ohio State plus 390, TCU plus 1500. So this is very interesting because obviously Georgia gets Ohio State right away. Ohio State, very high-end team from the perspective of, you know, being a four seed 
Jackson Smith and Ajigba hasn't really played all year. He's not going to play in the, in the Peach Bowl. Um, so you're, you're basically with Marvin Harrison Jr. and company to go with CJ Stroud. That one's going to be a tough one for Ohio State, but I do understand why they're, uh, at least better odds than TCU against Michigan. Right. Michigan has been an absolute bust, especially in the second half of games this year, Ben. Is there any value on the board right now? Now that we know who the four teams are, that was kind of ambiguous last week. Is there any value on the board right now? I would say not from a spreads perspective. I do think that, you know, Michigan specifically offensively, I think there's still going to be some question marks without Blake Corum in the fold and his impact to their overall offense. And if they can kind of move the change rushing the football or if they do need to kind of rely on J.J. McCarthy. So we've seen, you know, TCU be scrappy in certain spots, especially with Max Duggan, but I don't necessarily, you know, buy into them, uh, you know, offensively uh, against the Michigan defense that has very much shut down some of the better teams, you know, in, in college football. So I think under 59 is probably the spot I'm playing in that one. And I also think you can kind of look in the same direction, um, you know, as far as playing the total for Georgia and Ohio State as well. Uh, it, it sets up to me kind of like a Georgia a dominating defensive performance, especially given, you know, some of the injury concerns, like you mentioned that Ohio State's dealing with. So under 61 and a half is probably the only other spot I'm playing. Maybe it's a parlay, uh, with both games going Oof. under. I'm not quite sure, but that's, uh, mainly the spot that I like right now. I, 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 I don't really feel too strong on anything on the spread. Do you, do you like anything on the spread or what do you feel like? No, I, I think, I think the numbers are fair in both of them. I've put, and by the way, if you want to look at our, our plays on BetStamp, there's a, there's a great tool there. I, I put some down. The bowl season is so great that, you know, you, you often will bet things at certain numbers and it'll move a whole touchdown, uh, you know, and, and so forth. So go take a look at those things. Um, but I, I think right now the, the markets are pretty, you know, pretty pounded into place. I mean, the, the people, the sharps are really looking at those two games for a lot of reasons, because you know the injury situation far better than you do in any particular right. bowls. Um, right. Speaking of bowls, let's just do one each guy, because I know uh, we, we're running out of time a little bit. Um, and, and so let's, let's Ben, what is your favorite bowl? And, and actually, no, no, we're going to do this podcast in two weeks again. So exactly. what's your favorite bowl um, up until, let's say, December 19th when we, when we record again? What's your, what's your favorite bowl among – you know, basically the first couple of days of bowl games. So I do, I mean, there's obviously a few good games. I do think North Texas, Boise State uh, is kind of an interesting match. Obviously, there are some opt-outs on both sides of the football, but I think North Texas, you know, getting 10 and a half, getting 10 and a half points in this that game uh, is a spot where, you know, the power rankings that I'm looking at and those sorts of things very much have these teams closer than what it actually projects. So I like the mean green here. I think they're going to take a, a, at least enough, uh, you know, shots at Boise State to probably cover that 10 and a half point spread. So I like that one quite a bit. That's probably my favorite, you know, I would say early bowl game that I'm not even quite sure what the bowl name is right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, here's the one that I like. So Florida goes to or doesn't go to, but Florida. Um, is designated road team, Oregon State, Corvallis, the Beavs, the Beavs fresh yes. off of a 21 point comeback win, a nine win season. Um, they actually open at seven and a half point favorites. I took that. Uh, it was nine and a half. Now it's 10. Um, Florida, I mean, Anthony Richardson's not playing in this oh, game. Right, That's right. the implication I'm taking beyond Anthony Richardson. I don't know if you watched that game against Florida State. They covered by the grace of God, but he was like, you know, seven for 21 or something like that. And like eight of those passes were dropped. They're a bus fire without him. Uh, Oregon State, on the other hand, 
you, you want a 10 win season if you're Oregon State, right? And, and you want to, you know, they, they have so many good football players on the offensive side of the ball running the ball. Uh, I think they take it to Florida. And I think, you know, when an SEC team is kind of halfway out the door, uh, versus an upstart team, uh, that, that's willing to be physical and run the football, I think Oregon State wins by margin here. So I'm going to go with Corvallis minus 10 on pinnacle. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that that'll be such a fun game to watch Saturday, December 17th, as was your game, Boise State, North Texas, Boise State kind of got shellacked in the, in the Mountain West, uh, final as a favorite at home against Fresno right. State. They, they now are 10 point favorites in North Texas. I would say I agree with you. I think that's just a letdown day. So, uh, very good insight by you, Ben. Um, very fun podcast as usual. Um, you know, this has been. Uh, the NFL Insights Podcast for another week. Um, go to Pinnacle Podcast on all platforms to follow and keep up to date on all of Pinnacle's latest shows, um, including Pinnacle's World Cup 2022 Insights, powered by Infogel. Um, and for an in-depth analysis of the Soccer World Cup, it is called Soccer, uh, and it kicked off a few weeks ago. Um, please keep across Pinnacle.com uh, for the latest embedding insights between Mark Taylor's Game of the Week, Pinnacle's weekly NFL predictions, and NCAA college football predictions. Um, so for Ben Brown, who is at PFF underscore Ben Brown on Twitter, I'm Eric Eager, at Eric Eager underscore on Twitter. This has been Pinnacle. Uh, NFL Insights Podcast. Follow Pinnacle at Pinnacle on Twitter and on YouTube. Please gamble responsibly and we'll see you in a couple weeks.